my mission in life is to help people see who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do. A hero is a person who honestly puts the world on his or her shoulders and does things as a way to be notable, to be recognized, and to be the person that everyone depends on because their significance and their worth come from doing things that others can't do. So on one hand, they appear to be the giver and the helper, but they end up really being approval seekers, achievement-oriented people pleasers. In other words, if they're not producing, then they feel like they don't have value. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, at Path for Growth, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. Now, before we jump in today's conversation, and boy, we've got a doozy today, so buckle up. But before we jump into that, I wanted to share with y'all something really cool that happened earlier today and just let you know how you can be involved. Early this morning, I woke up and sent an email to the entire Path for Growth community and also posted on social media that we were partnering with my mentor and friend, Dan Underhill, and his community at Cornerstone Church to serve the needs of families in Texas that have been affected by the recent storms. As many of you are likely aware there are so many families right now that are going without food, going without water. There's businesses whose roofs have collapsed, and there's people that still don't have power almost a week after the the worst part of the storm. And so we believe at Path for Growth that strength is for service. And if we have the opportunity and the blessing to be strong in this season, that strength is not for us. Rather, that strength is meant to be poured out in service of others. So one of the things that we said this morning at around 8.30 is that we would match every donation to Dan and Cornerstone's efforts up to $3,000. And all of that would go to serving families in the Texas Hill Country area, giving them water, giving them food, helping put roofs on some businesses that uh, have just been devastated by the storm. And by 3.30 today, I kid you not, less than a day later, the community already matched it. They already hit $3,000. So we said, okay, let's up the ante. And uh, Path for Growth is committing to match every donation up to $5,000. And folks, I just, I think we're going to hit it. I think we're going to do it. So I'd love for the podcast community to get in on this. So many of you already have. And for that, I'm very grateful. If you want to be a part of this effort to serve Texas, here's what you can do. We'll put the link in the show notes, or you can text 737 737- Two zero one zero three seven seven. That will get you the link to be able to donate. And just make sure that when you donate, you select Serve Texas because that's how we make sure we match your donation. Again, for every dollar that you put in, Path for Growth is also going to donate a dollar up to $5,000. And just thank you so much to all of you for your heart, for your passion, for your commitment to serving people in times of needs. That is what leaders do. Okay. Let's jump into the show. Now, I told you that today's conversation is a powerful one, and that's because today's conversation is with a friend of mine. His name is Chip Dodd. Now, many of you may know about Chip from the Entree Leadership Podcast. This guy is probably one of the most brilliant teachers on the topic of emotional wellness and emotional health and emotional intelligence that I've ever met. I mean, it's where he spent his entire career. And in 2001, he wrote a book called The Voice of the Heart that, man, I, I read that book and it just impacted the way that I look at the world. And I mean, honestly, I have recommended that book to so many people and every single time they come back to me saying, oh my gosh, it was just so powerful. It was so impactful. It was equally practical, but also incredibly, incredibly profound for the way that they look internally to become full and whole so that they can then serve the external world. He was also instrumental in the creation of an, an incredible organization called the Center for Professional Excellence, where he helped high performers and leaders really make sure they were maxing out who they were created to be so that they could bring their full self to the world in service of others. And that just aligns so perfectly with Path for Growth's mission and vision. 
Chip is a practicing counselor. He has a PhD in counseling, and he's just one of those people that is incredibly wholesome, outrageously thoughtful, and remarkably wise. And I wanted to jump in today on a distinction that he makes that I think is so crucial for us to understand, and that is the distinction, it's the difference between being a hero and being a leader. Uh, A hero is a person who honestly puts the world on his or her shoulders and does things as a way to be notable, to be recognized, and to be the person that everyone depends on because their significance and their worth come from doing things that others can't do or doing things for others to be rewarded for it. So on one hand, they appear to be the giver and the helper, but they end up really being their caretakers, their approval seekers, their achievement oriented, and their people pleasers. In other words, if they're not producing and if they're not significant through production, through superior numbers, then they feel like they don't have value. And heroes come from families where these children almost always were handed responsibilities before they were able to develop the emotional capacities to handle that pressure. But because they were gifted and because they were good at doing things, they began to see themselves as valuable for doing them. And when they did them, the family seemed to get a little better. Many a doctor, many doctors have wanted to heal the world because they, they, they felt this pressure in their families to fix something in their families. They became doctors as a way to fix people, you know, and so they were, and, and they, they, they end up burning themselves out because they're doing it through the heroes. They can't fix enough people to make themselves okay. A leader is a person who's compelled from the inside to go do something and they know they're not going to be able to accomplish it all, but they're Mm -hmm. drawn towards a vision and they're willing to look silly doing it. They're willing to make mistakes. They're willing to need other people. They're willing to ask for help. The difference between the great athlete and the good athlete is that the great athlete sees nothing but the ball meaning they're not thinking about what people are thinking about them. They're compelled from within to pursue something. And so they are willing to look clumsy. They're willing to practice out loud, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. But they're risk takers, but they're risking honestly getting hurt. And they're risking, you know, messing up. They, they go find out by making mistakes. And these are really courageous people. That's right. And I there's there's so many things you just said that I feel like we could do an entire episode on. I mean, you know, it's like, and, and, and it's every time it's like, oh, Chip, can we just take a drink from a fountain? No, let's turn the fire hose on and see what happens. <laughs> That's not a fire hose. That's a raging river that you just yeah. gave us right yeah. there. Um, okay. The piece that, that I want to start with is, is whenever you were describing what a leader is, you said it starts from the inside. Yes. And for me, I feel like that can be the distinction sometimes between the the hero and the leader is it's a motive thing. So can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yes, that's that's your questions are fabulous. A hero is motivated in, in, in the psychological world, we call it external locus of control. Mm. That that if I get if there's an assignment to do and a challenge, I'm gonna go risk trying to do this thing so that the applause will occur. Okay. So that's an external locus of control. My performance dictates my value. And then the grade I make dictates how well I did. Okay, so they're in pursuit of the grade, the external locus of control. The grade says I'm okay. So the hero is asking a question, how am I doing? They're climbing the ladder of proving themselves all the time. How am I doing? How am I doing? And based upon your expression is how how much I'm respected or cared for, external Mm -hmm. locus of control. The real leader, the true leader, is driven by what's called an internal locus of control. What matters to me matters so much, I'm willing to be vulnerable to exposing this compelling interest. They, They, an internal locus of control for a leader is they have a passion. 
And a passion, you know, in definition in the voice of the heart, they're, they're angry. They're not defensive angry, but they're creatively angry, which means they're willing to be in pain for something that matters more than pain. Okay. So they're willing to go see, do, risk, shape, make. And that's what I'm saying by vulnerability. I mean that leaders will say, I'm going to go do something and I need your help. Anybody called to it or I can do what I can do, but can you give me what you do well? Leaders seek the appropriate authority of other people. Leaders go find people who can do what they can't do better than they ever would. Leaders mm-hmm. don't try to be all things to all people. They're after the result of getting towards this place. And the result matters more than their own ego. And that makes it like it's not just I mean, it has massive ramifications for your emotional well-being, but it yeah. also like the leader is a way better delegator. Like yeah. the, the leader is way better at scaling a business because they're they're building it on something that is not as fragile as their own personality. Yeah, that's well said. And, and so a leader's one of the leader's greatest strengths is to recognize their limitations. And, and a hero can't tolerate somebody else having something they don't really, you know? So, I mean, and, and you know what, a great example, it's an old movie, but chariots of fire, yeah. just, just to give a real clear, like you can watch the movie and go, okay, that's what that guy Chip Dodd's talking about. Okay. I didn't know <laughs> what he said, but now I see it. But the, 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 the guy, Eric Little ran because he was compelled. He said, when I run, I experience. I think he said uh, the glory of God. In other words, when I'm being who I'm made to be and doing what I'm made to do, I really experience having what I'm made to have. Okay. So, and we can do a whole thing there, but, but, and, and then, you know, he, he, he ran because of joy. He couldn't help it. He, he couldn't stop himself, but he kept his values and standards. Like he wouldn't run on Sunday. He ended up running a different event. But he held onto his value. He had a value that in his values were internally located too. Okay. But he served in authority and every real leader is serving something bigger than himself or herself. Mm. Okay. So leaders are actually just messengers with a message. Okay. And they can be uh, serving God. They can be serving a vision. They can be serving a picture. And the mission is the call to uh, uh, material, call to resources to get to this place, whether it's building the combustion engine or the Kitty Hawk flight or the space shuttle or Elon Musk or, you know, Ronald Reagan, or you can go through all of these different people. So Eric Little, and then the other comparison character was a guy who ran to prove himself, to, 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 to garner respect, to make others uh, see he, how he was valuable. So he was trying to mark himself as immortal, and then he would be valuable because I'm nothing unless I can be greater than others. That's the hero's sickness or hero's journey in many ways. Does that make sense? It does, well, yes, it, it makes almost a little too much sense. I, I feel like as you're saying that, and you and I have talked a little bit about my background, I would say like I, I would classify myself right now as a recovering hero. <laughs> like yes, I'm trying to get and, and And I know, and it's not one of those things that's like, okay, I was in the hero gear and now I've shifted and, and now I'm in the leader lane, right? And and that, that past is behind me. It's like, I can edge into the hero gear, but there are a lot of times where, I mean, our mission at Path for Growth, if we're just looking at the career side of things is we help impact-driven leaders step into who they're created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. Amen. And like, I really don't care if people think I look ridiculous if we're pursuing that mission, right? Yeah. Like, and, and people do think I look ridiculous and I'm, I'm great with it. Right. Yeah. And so that's how I know it's like, I'm making that journey, but it was one of those things for me that like, I've been so engrossed in leadership literature and following the whole servant leadership idea for a long time that I kind of knew I had these quote unquote hero tendencies, although I wouldn't call it back then where I was focused more on my individual performance and people's perspective perception of me. I intellectually knew it, but it wasn't like, oh, I could just make a decision one day and then, okay, I'm no longer a hero. I'm a leader. 
Yeah. Like I, I knew it, but I, something had to happen. So what is the path of transformation that has to occur inside yeah. someone yeah. to go from hero to leader? Yeah. So it's, it's two questions just to keep it very okay. simple. And then like two things to remember. Yeah. You move from how am I doing to seeking feedback with how am I doing? How am I doing? What's your real, what's your real motive? How am I doing? Am I looking for the grade and your approval so I can feel okay? Like you're a drug that's going to inject me. So am I asking how am I doing for that purpose? Or am I asking how am I doing so I'll get feedback? Okay. But still, that's not the real question. If you, when you move from being a hero to a leader, you move from, from how am I doing to asking what am I doing? Mm. From how am I doing, which is performance, to what am I doing? What do you see about me? Because I'm the instrument to carry out the mission with the help of others. So what am I doing means that I've only got a vision for 180 degrees of my life. I can't see behind me. And my head, can't, I can't live on a swivel and stay focused, right? So how am I doing to what am I doing? What am I doing is asking the feedback of others to see what I can't see. And also me looking in the mirror and facing myself, my motives, my agenda, my purposes, my fears, my hurts. Like even as you describe, you really have moved from where you were to where you are and you jumped from possibly a safe place to start path for growth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you had to say, you know what? I might fail, but does, does success or failure matter more than whether or not I do it or not? And you said, I got to do it. And you had the urging and help of others. And you were asking, what am I doing, dudes? I mean, hey, guys, help me. What, what, what am I doing this? And then you say, I don't care what I look like. Uh, I do care about the results, but I don't care what I look like. Well, you really don't. And yet when people mock you or, they'll, or you'll mess up, it still hurts. It's still mm-hmm. lonely at times. It's still sad. It's still angering. And so what am I doing? Do you have people giving you feedback? Do you have people supporting you and helping you? Do you have people replenishing you? Do you have other leaders that you share the real truth with? And you can't share that with necessarily the managers, but you can share, you know, the needs on the mission. So what am I doing is a whole nother set of priorities. It's, it's about living truthfully and living in need versus how am I doing having all the answers so everybody can, you know, approve of me. So how am I doing versus what am I doing? That's so powerful. And, and I love that because it doesn't take out the need for feedback. Like, like some people there, I mean, there's like this cultural movement towards either we listen only to people's opinions or we literally say like completely shut out people's opinions. And we say, it doesn't matter what the world says. You just do, you live your truth and that's it. And it sounds like you're talking about a middle path, Chip. Yes. I'm talking about living the real relational life. That we're created as, and this is where in the voice of the heart, the whole, the bottom line, I prioritize foundational statement of my, the stuff I do is that we're created as emotional and spiritual creatures created to do one thing in life, it's live fully. But because of how we're literally created and wired both, we find fulfillment through relationship with ourselves, head to heart connected with others and God. And so what am I doing is an essential question to get feedback about having to attempt to succeed in a, in a tragic place. Now, going back, though, that you said the middle, it's right on because the hero or the ladder climber or the approval seeker is either or absolutistic in their thinking. Either I won or I lost. Either I succeed or I didn't. Instead of what do I need to do to make the shifts and changes to improve upon this? The real leader seeks excellence. The hero seeks perfection. Hmm. Okay. So excellence, Alex, is, is a beautiful name. I had a company called the Center for Professional Excellence, and we treated addiction. And, and mainly physicians, lawyers, pastors, and academicians. We, we didn't call it, didn't want to call it the Center for Professional Perfection. It's the Center for Professional Excellence, because excellence isn't perfection. It just means moving things out of the way that would increase friction. It means excellence means excelling by reducing friction. So 
to excel, you've got to have a team of people helping the leader find the multitude of ways to get to where they're headed. Mm -hmm. So the best leader is the one who needs best. You hear that? The, the, so in some ways, the leader who leads best is the one who is capable of needing the most. Okay, you've got to you've got to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, that that I need these people. I need that thing. I need uh, confidence. I need encouragement. I need attention. I need some more skills. I need someone who knows how to do this thing because if I get sidetracked going and learning this skill, then I'm not doing what I need to be doing. So uh, a leader needs to know his external needs, operational needs. That person also needs to know their internal giftedness, which will mean, which will also lead them to be aware of their internal limitations. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And if I get off into it, I'm going to be off mission. Like, like my, my mission in life is to help people see who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do. I mean, that's mm-hmm. my sentence. And I've been offered multiple opportunities to do things, I mean, from, you know, giving things to charitable things to huge economic opportunities, but they're off mission. You know, I mean, I could do it. My skills are interesting, but it's like, and I'm drawn to it. I would like to do it or, but I, and I, and I have to say, I can't. Now I could, but I won't because it's off of what I've been called to do. It's, it's, I moved away from where I'm compelled to go. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally does. I, yeah. I have had th- I have had three conversations this week that centered around their sleep schedule and the fact that they were not getting enough sleep and it was a self-imposed thing. And like what we really boiled down to is is the reason why they weren't getting enough sleep is because they were subconsciously, essentially, it felt like telling themselves that they were unlimited and that they didn't need it because other people needed them more than they needed to get enough sleep. It's just a dangerous cycle. Like it, we can just convince her. And what's crazy is, is the world can look at that and say, man, that person's a servant leader. And, and that's just not that it's just not the case. No, that person secretly is attempted to do enough to be rescued. If I, if I perform these things, if I produce these things, then you will value me and then I can finally rest. Another word for hero is codependent. Mm. I mean, I find my worth in sacrificing what I need, need to other, other people. Instead, like, for example, the real leader is good at seeking attention, okay? And the hero would deny really needing it. I'm just doing this for others. What matters most is just getting the job done. But a person who's really a leader, they're good at at, at admitting they need attention. Attention means to be tended to. I wrote a book called Needs of the Heart. And I go through about 16 basic human needs. They're all relational and they're all relationally met. And one of our needs is attention. And the more a person pours out, the more tending to they need, the more nurturing they need, the more rest they need, the more nourishment they need, the more time to reflect and recreate they need. So, and so attention doesn't end when I'm six. Actually, the the more important, I put quotes around this, the more important a person is, the more they pour out, the more attention they need so that those people need more attention than a six-year-old. Hmm. And we think of attention as a child need when actually it's a, re- it's a grown-up responsibility, just like rest. You know, like you, 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 you and I both need to know it's called marginal diminishing returns. There's a point at which that my functioning is not producing results. And I can continue on the same course, but I'm not doing anything very valuable. So I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to celebrate. I need to recoup. I need to replenish. I need to rest and get ready to go again. Okay. So that that's hyper relevant for me personally, but I know it's relevant for our listeners because I I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people within our path for growth community, but also just, I go back and forth with a lot of people that listen to this podcast 
And I think a lot of them are like me in that I love to create and then perform, right? Like I have such a ball anytime I get to write questions for a conversation like this and then get to record this and share it with people that I love. I just love yes. it. And, and the only thing better than that for me is speaking and teaching. I just have such a ball doing that. It's just an yes. absolute blast. Yes. And I constantly am asking the question for myself and for others, what is the healthy version of that? And what is the version of that? where I'm looking to meet a need in a way that like the stage should never meet that need. Having a podcast. Alex, that is a great question. A simple, quick answer is sculptors don't sculpt to hide their work in a cave. Hmm. Okay. And, and sculpting is hard work. And so still you have to ask your question, am I doing this so that I will have value or am I doing this to express the values within me? Am I doing this because I can't help it? Okay, that's number one. Number two is there's nothing wrong with being a performer. Like your presence of heart and your interest and you being compelled towards something. Like, okay, I, I think about this all the time. I really want people to have what you know I've been given. I want people to have what I've gone and gotten. I want people to receive what people have given to me. Like. I got help here. I'm I'm the man in the ditch that was pulled out. Like the good Samaritan came to me and gave something to me. I I want other people to have it. So that's your presence of heart. That's that, that compelled within that's that passion piece, but that's your presence. That's Alex. You can't help but be Alex. And you're going to be doing that somewhere somehow. Okay. You can't help it, but then you got to perform. Now my, my youngest son told me this great story. He was in his second year of law school. And first of all, he said, I'm not sure I can even do law school. My big question is, can I, do I have what it takes to do it? And so he had to go find out. Well, he was silent in classes for like two years. And he, 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 he tried out for the, it's called like the writing journal. I forget what it is. And the legal journal. And he didn't get that. So he tried out for moot court, which means he hadn't spoken in law school yet. And then all of a sudden he opened his mouth started doing moot court. Not only was he good, but they went on to national rankings and he was the guy that was chosen the, to both sides of the argument. Okay. Whoa. So you don't just learn one, you're able to do two. And he came to me, he said, dad, you know something? He said, I'm a performer. He said, I'm a performer. And I always thought that being a performer was a negative. That if you're a performer, that equals you're a fake. But I realized that when I'm after something, and I'm called on it, I'm ready. Like, I want to. I want to do this so I can perform. In other words, you can take your presence and that which you think about and go do it. And so now there's a point at which when you get tired, there's an old old saying in the recovery world called halt. When you're not taking care and stopping and eating, Halt, hungry. When you get hungry and you're not paying attention to your body, your stomach. When you get angry, really mean resentful. You find yourself doing more than others and looking around and judging others for not doing as much. When you get hurt and you don't tell anybody and you're not you're not attending to your heart. Or when you find yourself lonely, nobody knows you, but everybody sees you do stuff, but nobody knows what it's like. Janice Joplin died from loneliness. I mean, she said no greater experience than, you know, being loved by 20,000 adoring fans. But she went behind the tent after the show and shot up heroin because she was lonely. She had no one else to turn to. She didn't have any real relationships. She was a massive talent. Jimi Hendrix died like 30 days after it was an overdose, too. I mean, they were they were never healed in their giftedness, you know, so they played you know, the heroes thing. So hungry angry, meaning resentful, lonely, you're isolating your heart from others, nobody really knows you, and then physically, you're, you're literally not resting and not exercising. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired. The, the, you can be truly present, truly yourself, be a pastor doing great things, but if you're not attending to your true human limitation, then you are really stepping over the line into grandiosity, into pride, into becoming somebody who burns out, burns, burns up because you're worn out. I mean, even Jesus, remember, Jesus went away to pray a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And Jesus, when they, you know, I ran from Jerusalem to Bethlehem one morning when I was uh, overseas and on an archaeological dig for like one summer. And six miles, it would take a half a day to walk that. And he would walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, hanging out with the disciples and talking. I mean, what I'm saying is there was, there was I'm not saying downtime, but there was replenishing time and growth time and recreation time. And so leaders have a responsibility to take care of themselves. It's important. So they can perform. So they can keep making and sculpting and shaping and doing and giving until they're done. And real leaders, they're done when they're dead. <laughs> and you can That's see right. that for yourself, can't you? I mean, oh. you're, you're not you're not trying to make a, a bucket of money so you can retire and then go play golf <laughs> or whatever. You're like, you don't you don't picture an end to this, right? Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I think it's John Maxwell. He says apparently that uh, retirement is defined as doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it. So it turns out I'm retired. <laughs> I retired at 28 years old. How great is that? And you know what, too, Alex? Taking care of ourselves and being good citizens in this country is an imperative, too, because only in this country for years and years, and, and, and it's becoming more and more equal and able, but in the United States of America, you can say that and do it. It didn't, you didn't have to come from royalty to be able to, for Maxwell to say what he said and for you to be able to say it, for me to be able to sit here with you. I mean, you can take a great risk because we do have opportunity here. The, the outcomes aren't equal, but there's this, this country is continuing to fight to provide equal opportunity, mm. not just equal outcomes. So I was like, isn't that wonderful that we can laugh and even say, yeah, I'm in retirement because I'm literally life, liberty, and the pursuit of you know, who I'm made to be. It can happen. What, what a blessing. Like, what yeah. a blessing. Yeah. Mm. So, and by the way, you know, we talked earlier, the be who you're made to be, which is really learning what it is to be human and then facing that's, that's, that's your condition. And you're not going to be a God and you're not God and you're not a baby. You're a human being growing and made to grow into a person of compassion, creativity, and of service. And service meaning like you contribute to the world. It doesn't mean you're always helping the poor necessarily, but you're, you're bringing your creativity to the world that solves problems. Mm. You know, expressing it, it feels wonderful to be a maximum service. That's maximum life as a maximum service. But you have to be who you're made to be, which means a person of heart who has a brain to pursue how they're made. Okay. And relationship is, is like being who you're made to be. Then you do what you're made to do. And you're, the promise is seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, its way of doing things. All these other things will be added unto you. But if you reject yourself as human, you end up doing what you made to do, survival of the fittest, so you can have stuff, power, control, so you can become somebody. And God says, you already were somebody when you were born. What happened? And say people who become heroes are really wounded creatures who distrust others and they need power and superiority and accomplishment to be valuable, to be cared for. Mm-hmm. And yet when somebody comes to care, they really won't let it happen. And we've seen a lot of wealthy people self-destruct. That's they had right. everything and they were still not okay. Oh my gosh. It was, you came and spoke to a group that I was doing prior to starting this business. We were doing those Thursday night groups when quarantine started and it was just a zoom gathering. It was, it was, it was the crazy, most bizarre thing I put out on my Instagram about two weeks into quarantine. I said, I just know a lot of people are lonely right now. And so Thursday nights we're going to meet. And I said, I'm like, I'm a I have a drink and, and if people want to show up, awesome. If not, I'll be there by myself and that'll be awesome too. And I, I didn't know if people would show up. And then the first time we had 25 people and then every week we had 30 people and we did it for 15 weeks and, and, and we really themed it around. Uh, you'll love this. That phrase was strength is for service. We said, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. And that's now one of the core values of this business. But I will never forget, gosh, it was a handful of weeks into quarantine. You came and spoke to that group and I'm still so grateful grateful for that powerful night, just a powerful, powerful night. And I'll never forget what I felt whenever you said, 
you know, we're, we're in the process right now as a country of classifying essential and non-essential businesses. And it's pretty remarkable that we are classifying liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries in states where it's legal as essential businesses. And it's pretty like, it's pretty crazy that we have to do that. But I think that ties into exactly what you just talked about, about like high performing leaders if not operating from a place of health like what you're talking about, they will find an escape from the pressure that they're dealing with. They will. And and that's the hero's pitfall. I, I did a just a, a blog and a, a podcast on the pitfalls of leadership. It really needs to be called the pitfalls of being a hero, you know. But yeah. you know Wait, can we put that in the show notes of this episode? Would you be okay if we linked that? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes. But the of course, 100% guaranteed. Do it. I get to be on your link. Absolutely. But, uh, we'll do that. Yeah. But the, the number one pitfall is that we have not been trained to know that we were born with worth. And we were born with worth before we could perform anything. And God counted us as having extraordinary worth enough that he would send his own son, not because we're worthless, but because we're worth it. Okay. So the first pitfall of a leader is that. They associate their work as related to their worth. I'm only worth as much as my work allows me to prove. So as soon as your work and your worth are connected, you're in a dangerous situation because you have to work to be worth something, to, be, to receive something. So everything's earned. So it's a rejection of grace and mercy from the get-go. Then the second pitfall, or it leads to the second one, is that your performance matters more than your presence. And unless you're performing, you don't see yourself as having any value. So being who you really are is like nobody really wants to know you. So you, you, you know, you're always lonely. And yet if you perform enough, you're not lonely for a little while. Janice Joplin. And the third thing is finally people become objects. There are things you have to manage, things you try to get them to think a certain thing, do a certain thing and not, you know, a phone rings like, oh God, another phone call. So we're always spending time <clears throat> trying to adjust and control people and manage people instead of being with them. So you're not on a team, so you're isolated really already. Then it's the, the, the next fallacy becomes the secrets. Like so many leaders have a, an escape hatch. There's secret drinking, sex stuff, porn stuff, affairs, living in fantasy, depression, anxiety disorders. I mean, all a whole world where that not being known leads to trying to find connections that don't expose neediness or vulnerability. So it's about living miserably. And then finally, the fifth thing is the leader's isolated. And that will turn up as death, burnout, the consequences of depression, lost families. I mean, you can go down the list. And that's what I did for 25 years, working in the addictions world of restoring people from that result to like the flight of the phoenix rising from the ashes. Thousands and thousands of wonderful people who were smart and tough and moral, good people, but they lost heart. They didn't Mm -hmm. grasp their worth, their presence, the value of relationship, that there's a way of fulfillment that doesn't require secrets, and they were made to live in intimacy with others, not isolated. And so, Alex, these people left and started med schools and became national figures, and they thought their lives were over, but their lives were just beginning. So that's a little off course, but, I mean, the pitfalls aren't death. They can lead us to what am I doing instead of how am I doing. Well, and I've heard you use the phrase before, Chip, compounding secrets. And, like, that is just such a powerful concept because one of the things that I take from that is that there's no way – this podcast is big enough right now that there's no way we're not talking to someone right now that is – is keeping secrets from people and that had like there are people listening to this right now have zero doubt that are keeping secrets from people and it's kind of like the idea of compounding secrets is like the best day to own those secrets and start talking about them was yesterday and the second best option is right now like yeah. you bet because it just seems like it it does not get better in the dark nothing ever gets better in the dark we really do remain as sick as the secrets we keep Oof. because that and we we have to Feel it to heal it. And a secret is anything you withhold 
from others because if they found out, they would judge you, reject you, censure you. In other words, like call you to account, call you to recognizing that you're more valuable than how you're treating yourself. Or they might just try to stop you. You don't want anybody to stop you because you're scared mm-hmm. of letting go. But I mean, secrets, like you said, do keep us in the dark. But when you do express, really open the door on secrets, you need to do it with people who are in healing or in recovery. You don't go to the judge to ask for mercy. You know, you go to the judge when you're forced to go to the judge. You go to people in recovery. You go to a jury of your peers. You go to people who know what it's like to hurt and be sad and be scared. You go to other leaders who have risen from the ashes. You don't go to perfect people to learn excellence. Okay, so this is such a crucial topic right here because I I have mentioned on this podcast before that it's one of my regular rhythms as a responsibility to myself and a responsibility to to the business to see a counselor. And I see someone that I know you know, and it is just, I mean, it is so, so good for me, but I also view it as an investment in the business because I think it's the right thing to do. And ever since I started saying that on this podcast, we've had so many people reach out saying like, I'm recognizing I need that right now. I agree that that's a responsibility for my business as well and for my family and the people that I lead. Where do I even begin? How do I find the right person? Because that's a really important relationship. What? How do you respond to that question, Chip? Because we can't all drive down to Murfreesboro, Tennessee and come visit yeah. you. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> no. Well, first of all, I mean, your book, I would recommend everyone start with your book. Voice of the Heart is just a powerful tool. It, it, it You know, I... I've been in it so long now to, to hide that it, that it, it is would be ridiculous. It's a great tool. It is, it's a phenomenal book and I'm just thankful to get to write it. See, I, I mean, I got to write it. It's, it's not like, it's not something that, that, that uh, is brand new to life. It's been around forever. As long as we have, we've been struggling with feelings. So the voice mm-hmm. arts, great book, but in seeking in seeking someone to counsel with you, you know, to counsel is, is to seek counsel's wisdom, right? Like you yeah. just said. But, but when you're going to see somebody to help you find you, stay you, and grow you, that's what that is. You, if you're going to counsel, you, you don't need to find somebody to make you cognitively more capable. You, don't, you, you, don't, you already have intellectual prowess. You don't, don't need somebody to help you become tougher you know, stronger or more of a risk taker because you already are taking risks by the very fact that you're in leadership and you don't need to make help somebody help you find moral development. Okay. So you you already know right from wrong. You already know uh, like good and bad, but you go to get counsel to know the difference between the truth of your heart and lies you've been told or lies you're telling yourself. You go to therapy, not to be smarter, not to be tougher or not to be better, you go to be to deal with yourself on an emotional, spiritual level. You go to get the heart material because good counsel, as a person thinks in their heart, the old Psalm, Proverb 23, 7, the King James Version, you go to explore your heart. The heart is the wellspring of life. Guard it with, you know, be diligent around it, be discerning with it. So, so often the one territory of education, the one territory that has not been really exposed and impressed upon us is the value of dealing with yourself relationally. So, I mean, we, we're raised to be smart, tough, and good, but who teaches us how to be relational and needy and what to do with loneliness, sadness, hurt? Now, if you're going to seek counsel, I do not support you going to seek counsel from anyone who isn't doing emotional and relational work, which means how did you get shaped as an emotional person? How did you get shaped as a relational person? What was expected of you growing up? What were the demands? Do you live in shoulds and shouldn'ts? Do you measure yourself against a standard that's impossible to achieve? What do you feel about that? Where do you take your loneliness? What do you do with needs? What do you do with fear? You mean you don't think you feel fear? Well, then you're an unwise person. Let's start talking right there. (laughs) You know, all of those things. And so honestly, and if I were going to be really like kind of silly in a a bit, I wouldn't go to any counselor who hasn't read the voice of the heart. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, there's a, well, I, I mean, I, yeah. 
I, I would like I would just affirm that and I don't get paid royalties on Voice of the yeah, Heart, right? Yeah. I just and, and I tell so good. many people like my litmus test for a good book now changed probably in the past two years. My litmus test for a good book is I can draw a straight line to the fact that it impacted the way that I live. Yeah. And like that that book for me is on the top ten. And what's crazy is it's also on the top ten of every single person I've recommended it to. Like I I mean I recommend it to so many people, Chip, and I haven't told you this before, but I have buddies of mine. That, I mean, we're in our late 20s, and I have no doubt like it will change the trajectory of our life because we read that book. Yes, and and, and I love, thank you for saying it, Alex. You, you, it's so encouraging to hear it because believe it or not, when it first came out, it was like, who's that weirdo? You know, <laughs> in where the Christian or secular world, it was kind of like, what's, what? But I mean, the heart, because well, that was like twenty years ago, right? Yes, yes. And the heart is the wellspring, which means the water of life comes up out of it and waters everything you are. Which means your mm-hmm. intellect, your morality, and, and your willpower. So, I mean, without the heart, you go dry. You know, without the roots being fed, the fruits don't grow. So, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's the trajectory change that I've seen people experience is that they they're able to receive nourishment. They're able to receive, you know, water and air and and food to grow. I mean, relationship grows people. We could talk maybe some other time about the, the neuroscientific proof, the inborn capacities, because when, when, a, when a baby's born, they cry out, they reach out, and they take in. You're made to crave. And Jesus, very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, Set almost, it's almost like he's saying, listen, you're never made to leave behind how you were born because God created you a certain way, made you to find fulfillment relationship. So if you grow up, guess what you keep doing? Cry out becomes ask, so you will receive. Ask, so you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. So the cry out becomes ask and you will receive. The reach out, we reach out for relationship becomes seek and you will find. And then the, 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 the taking in food, knock on the door, and it will be open for you, which means you go in, you eat, and you take some buckets of food out to feed a world in need. You can't give what you don't have. So Jesus says, grow up and keep asking, seeking, knocking, because the more you have, the more you can give. And that kind of wraps us up in a way like seeking counsel. Yeah, ask, seek, knock. Keep growing so you can keep going. You can't give what you don't have. And you've got to feel it to be like other people, to understand what other people are like. I mean, it's just amazing. I love, I love what you're doing, and I love even the wisdom of, of normalizing counsel, you know, seeking help. It's I think it's so bad. I mean, that's, that's what made it possible for me is I heard someone I respect say that they go to a counselor and I was like, okay, that needs to happen. Yeah. Before my final question, because I know we're getting close to time, Chip. Y'all can find Chip online, chipdodd.com. His podcast is absolutely wonderful. So we'll put the link. It's not as good as this. It's, it's even, un- <laughs> <laughs> keep on. <laughs> it's really good. And he also did just a brilliant I- interview with the company that I passed worked at, Entree Leadership, as part of Ramsey Solutions with Daniel Tardy, who's a good friend. So y'all, we'll put the link to that in the show notes of this episode as well. And the voice of the heart, absolutely go get that book. And we're going to buy a couple of copies of that book and be giving them away. So if y'all post a takeaway from this episode and a tag path for growth and myself, we'll be doing a giveaway of that book because we want to get that in the hands of people that are listening to this. Chip, final question for you. I think it can be really easy to pursue perfection because perfection is really easy to define. And like, I love the, I'm very attracted to perfection because it's black and white thinking, right? You're perfect or you're not. And the idea of excellence, while while again, intellectually it makes sense, it's way harder to define and paint a picture of excellence. So before we go today, I would love for you to paint a picture of what leadership excellence looks like in action. Yeah, that to, to excellence is being great at being human. And living in reality with a picture of completion. Reality is we're never going to get better than clumsy. We're always going to mess up. It's that space shuttle that exploded. My God. I mean, you know, Mm. life is tragic. God is faithful. God has given us eight tools to live fully in a tragic place called the heart and feelings, right? And so 
And so, and, and so, and then we have to live life on life's terms. We're stuck between Eden and glory. I mean, we live in a struggling place. Everything's practiced. Doctors are practicing. Parents are practicing. Lawyers are practicing. It takes a lifetime to learn how to live. So that's reality. But we were born with eternity in our hearts. So we're going to live in conflict. We're in pursuit of something we cannot have completely. So only the, the, the people who are emotionally tough continue to pursue what they cannot have on this earth. Mm-hmm. And the, the only thing we can really have on this earth is excellence which means being great at being human, which means living fully in relationship with God and others, which is hear, O Israel, love the God with all your mind, heart, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, which means you can only give to your neighbor what you have, and you can only receive what you need from God, and it becomes the triangle of strength. So excellence is being great at being human needy of God and others, so you can excel into who you're made to be. That's kind of a mm. wild answer, but be great at being human. I love it. Well, Chip, thank you for your investment in me personally. Thank you for your investment yeah. in our in our audience. We're so grateful for I you. I appreciate your interest, Alex. Thank you so much. Look forward to speaking to you again. That is just such a powerful conversation. And I'm just so grateful to Chip for his time, for his investment, and for just the fact that he brings his whole self and his just deep-seated passion to everything that he does. I mean, think about this. He wrote the book, The Voice of the Heart, in 2001. That's 20 years ago, and he still talks energetically and passionately and emphatically about it. I mean, that's that's what I want to be doing in 20 years. Still consistently passionate about the thing that gets me out of bed every single morning. And hey, we always try to end this episode with an application item or an application question. And here's one that really challenged me that I want you to think about as well. My belief is that in that distinction that Chip labeled between being a hero and being a leader, it's not like one day you shift gears and you decide I'm a leader and you never get into the hero seat ever again. Or conversely, it's never like you're just operating as a hero and you never get in that leader seat. And so regardless of where you are on this spectrum, because it is a spectrum, here's the two questions that I want to ask you is what are the scenarios, situations, or circumstances where you find yourself most likely to operate in the hero seat. And remember, the hero is putting the weight of the world on your shoulders, where you're hoarding responsibility. You're not even just taking responsibility for yourself. You're taking it from others, and you're saying, I've got to figure this out. So when are the circumstances, situations, scenarios where you feel most likely to take on that role of hero? And then conversely, let's go to the second question. What are the situations, circumstances, and scenarios in which you are most likely to operate in the leader seat? Because remember that the role of the leader is the role of the servant. It's the role of someone who's humble, who's measured, who's centered, who's focused. So I want you to think about what are the times that we're operating from a place of unhealth, because that is the role of the hero, because those are the times that we want to minimize. And what are the times and the scenarios and the circumstances in which we operate as the leader? And how can we amplify those? How can we double down on those? How can we ensure that those times, that those seasons occur as much as possible? Y'all, I hope this was valuable to you today. Again, um, thank you so much to all of you who have donated to help those families in Central Texas. We're just so grateful to you. If you do want to make that donation, we're going to match up to 5,000. The number is 737 201 We'll put the link to that also in the show notes, along with all of the links to the resources that Chip mentioned. Hey, know that we are grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.